his masterpiece. His, what a great thought that is. A great thought. There was a man who was standing at the uh, ticket counter at the airport and he was checking in his luggage and behind the counter was a less than pleasant woman. Pretty grumpy, in fact. And she was checking him in and he was not really appreciating it. And he noticed that above her head was a little sprig of, uh, of mistletoe somebody had hung up there. And, and he thought for a moment and he said to this lady, he said, so... Um, Bet you haven't been getting very many kisses today, have you? And uh, she was taken aback by that a little bit. And, and, and he kind of went on. He said, I know I wouldn't. And uh, so she, she sizes this guy up and she said, well, really that mistletoe isn't for me. It's so you can kiss your luggage goodbye. You know, there's some of us, there's some of us that are thinking, wow, finally I get to kiss the year 2015 goodbye. You know, maybe it's a pile of all of those mistakes or whatever. And, and, and you're looking at 2016 and you're going, you know what? <sighs> Deep breath, fresh start. Okay, here we go, 2016. And this is usually the time of year when people are making resolutions, right? But who makes resolutions anymore? Because you know that they're only going to last for a week or two because we're not really serious about it. I mean, some of them are good goals and it's like, yes, I should do this. But, but we don't get past the thinking that, it, that we should do this and actually do this. Like the, I've mentioned it before, like the treadmill at my house. We move it from, the only exercise we get is moving it from room to room to room to room. We don't ever really plug it in and fold it out and use it. Honestly. Um, and, and, then, and then when I try to get rid of it, it's like, no, 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 we can't do that because we're going to use it. That was two months ago. Still haven't used it. Okay, I mean, we've got garages full of stuff like that, right? Um, well, so, so we're not talking, we're not going to talk about resolutions this morning, um, but, but what we are going to talk about is declarations. Um, I, I want to I look at four things that, that we can, we can uh, identify today that we can declare personally for the year 2016. Four honest-to-goodness declarations. Now, some of you, again, are thinking, good riddance to 2015. It was a difficult year. There were some major things that happened that you weren't sure you could get through. Uh, there are some here who, who uh, y- you know, it, it, it was an okay year. It was a mixed bag of things. And there's some of you who are sitting here thinking, man, I, I hate to say goodbye to 2015 because it was just great. You know, we had some moments like that. You know, a, grand, a new grandson, our first grandson, that was one of those moments. But there were plenty of other things mixed in there that were just honestly terrible. Just awful things that, that, that we personally as a family and that I personally had to go through. I mean, uh, you know, it's been rough on our nation. Political mistrust, terrorism, pain, mass shootings. Um, the economy is, is somewhat stable but not great. You know, it could bottom out at any time and there could be worry or fear because of that. Um, but, but here's the good thing. You know, 2015 is behind us. In a few days... It's going to be gone in our rearview mirror. And all that we have left is what's in front of us, 2016. And, and my prayer is that we will start out in 2016 on the right foot. And that's with four declarations that we're going to see here today. Now, as I studied for this week's message, um, I, I really... I, we're, we're looking at one of my favorite psalms uh, in the Bible that David wrote. And if you would, turn with me to Psalm 139. Uh, we're going we're gonna to have a cup of coffee and we're going to go through Psalm 139 together this morning. Yeah, I know, Brittany, it's not coffee, it's water. Um, it is warm, though. 
because by the end of the service, that coffee would be cold and you would see me gag because I do not like cold coffee. Is everybody there? Psalm 139. I'm going to read it. Follow along, please. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in, behind and before you have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you would slay the wicked, O God. Away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Yeah, we've got messy stuff in our life. I mean, you're, you're making the list right now thinking of the things that happened in 2015. But, and, and maybe you've already made resolutions to turn a new leaf. But here's, here's what I think. I think if, yes, resolutions, we need to set goals for sure. But, but we need to enter the year 2016 making these four declarations. We're going to declare these things. Like Adam said, I ain't feeling it. You know what? That doesn't change the fact that it's true. And I hope that we conclude that as we leave here this morning. The first thing that we're going to do in 2016 is we are going to declare that God is all-seeing. We're going to declare that God is all-seeing. Nothing gets past Him. He sees everything. Now, the theological term for that is called omniscience. Omniscience. Uh, the opening verses of Psalm 1-6, through 6, however, don't use doctrinal language, but they describe this aspect of God in a form of adoration. And this divine knowledge that Psalm 1-6 through 6 speaks of, that God has about us, is not simply a comprehensive collection of impersonal information. It's very detailed and it's very personal. It shows the intimacy that God has in knowing each one of us. We need, to remember, we need to remember that. We need to declare that God is all-seeing. Look, look at those verses, 1 through 6. Oh Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You don't just let me live my life, but you, you know me that well. You have searched me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. Nothing you do 
in a day goes unseen before our Heavenly Father. He sees all of it. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. How about that thought? Before you think a thought, before you say a word, he knows what that is. Husbands, wouldn't it be great if we could do that with our wives? I, I, and I think wives are probably going, man, I wish my husband could do that. You know, right? Um, t- to a degree. <laughs> there are thoughts that my wife has that I don't know what, I don't want to know what she's thinking that. Um, you hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. God, God knows so much about us. So much about us. Matthew confirms this in Matthew chapter 6 and verses 4, verse 6 and verse 8. He, he makes statements like this. Your father, Jesus does, your father who sees what is done in secret, he knows these things. Your father, he repeats it, who sees what is done in secret in verse 6. And finally, in verse 8, he says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. That sounds extremely intimate to me. Pretty personal. And, and, and I find encouragement in that, that the God that I serve knows me that well. He knows me that well. And in fact, I just wonder about that. I mean, if we were just to sit here for the next ten minutes and think about that, how, how well God knows you personally. He's not a creator that lords things over people just to say, hey, I'm bigger than you and I can do whatever I want with you. Although he can do that. He's a good God. He's righteous. And he knows everything. Now the flip side of 1 through 6 is that sometimes it makes you want to run and hide, doesn't it? It's like there's things in my life that I would really like to hide from God. I don't want him to know all of that stuff. that's one of the difficulties in a marriage relationship or any relationship is there are certain things that I don't want my my spouse to know about me. Things that I feel like are weaknesses or or etc. And and what really happens is they become a mirror into my own life and they begin to reflect back to me my shortcomings. And I, I don't want that. I don't want her to know those things. God knows those things. Even what I'm thinking and I think possibly as, as David is writing this psalm and as he writes verses 1 through 6 and he's pondering them and he's thinking about them, then it, it causes him to write verses 7 through 12. Now, before we go on to verses 7 through 12, have you ever heard of the game, and it's kind of an older one as I looked it up, called Pocket God? Little G. It's a, it's a phone app. It first came out on iPhone. It was really popular when it came out a few years ago. Uh, it's called Pocket God, and, and here's the game description. What kind of God, little g, would you be? Benevolent or vengeful? Play Pocket God and discover the answer within yourself. On a remote island, you are the all-powerful God that rules over the primitive islanders. You can bring new life and then take it away just as quickly. Exercise your powers on the islanders. Lift them in the air, alter gravity, hit them with lightning. Now, I watched a video of a guy explaining this game, 
And and you know it it says exactly what it, you can do. You can throw these islanders into volcanoes. You can feed them to sharks. You can uh, um, roll big rocks over the top of them. You can create earthquakes. You can destroy their village. Um, and in fact, there really are no other options other than vengeful things. As I'm watching this video, so in my mind, the creators of this game think that's what God is like. That, that he is just a God who ruins everybody's fun and makes life miserable for people. But is that who he really is? No. That's not who he really is. I mean, what an unfortunate view of God. If you're here this morning and that's been your view of God, it's time right now to change that view. Because that's not who he is. Just like when your parents disciplined you at times it didn't feel that great and you felt like your parents hated you or all they they were just out to make life miserable for you or hurt you that that's kind of i think how we how we uh, uh think of god sometimes when he corrects us but but hopefully he's not correcting us all of the time you know every day we're enjoying this relationship with him which which brings us to our second declaration this morning which flies in the face of the iPhone application, and it's this. Where can I go, the psalmist says. Uh, in 2016, let's declare that God is all-present. That he is all-present. Now, the theological term for that is omnipresence. So we've got omniscience, all-powerful. We've got omnipresence, ever-present. Now, for believers, I think, a God who is ever-seeing and ever-present is a reassuring thing. It's liberating. It's instructive. To know that no matter what I'm experiencing, experiencing in my life today or where I am, whether I'm in the heavens or in, I'm in the depths of the earth, God is there with me. And it's in those moments, some of those moments, especially the low ones, where we need to stand in the face of emotion and we need to declare that my God is with me right now. Right now. It liberates us to know that the loving, redeeming God seeks to set us free. He instructs us to be able to look for signs of God throughout his universe. The song that Adam did, the rocks, the moon, they testify. They bear witness to the power and the goodness of our God. God is present with us he is present in his world in a unique manner. I mean, everywhere. He is never separated from any part of his creation. As spirit, God has the perfect capability of being present everywhere in the world at once. Does that blow your mind? I mean, try to wrap your head around that. Everywhere. You know, we, we're finite people, and, and those people who are have... have um, a big part of our life, like our parents, our dads. If we if we view our dad in a in a high position, um, we trust him. We feel safe when we're with him. But when he's gone, we can feel scared. We can wish that he was here, but he can't be because he's not omnipresent. God is. He is. Now, the, the Bible speaks of God's presence in two major ways, in space and in relationships. Um, omnipresence is derived from Latin, and it speaks of God's presence everywhere in space. There isn't anywhere in the universe, no matter how vast we find that it is, God is present there. But most often the Bible speaks in terms of God being present in relationships. 
Moses experienced that presence on a wilderness mountain in Exodus 3.1. Isaiah in the Jerusalem temple. Paul on an international highway. He called Israel to be his people, to be in relationship with him in Exodus chapter 19. He appeared to Elijah in a still, small voice. Most of all, God appeared to, pers- to us as people in person. We, we just celebrated that Thursday night. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus Christ. So look at verses 7 through 12. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? The answer to those questions is nowhere. You can't. If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, I felt that in my life in the year 2015. Where it seemed to me that the darkness was so dark, I was wondering if I could see any light. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. Think about that. Even the darkness for me is not dark to him. He's there, he's present. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. We can't go anywhere where God isn't. Not on this planet. We can't get away from him. I mean, isn't that great news? I mean, you're all kind of sitting there kind of somber, and I can't even see some of you over here because the glare coming in the window. Uh, Can't see expressions on faces. Maybe it's because I'm blind and I need new glasses. I don't know. Yeah, you're definitely, probably. But isn't that great news? To be able to declare that, I don't care what's going on in your life or mine. I can declare that God is here with me. There are times when it's all I can do to do that. But when I do, it confirms in my spirit and assures me in my heart that I'm not alone. He has not left me high and dry. So we declare that God is all-seeing. We declare that God is all-present. We can also declare that God is all-creating. I've wrestled with this thought over the years because in my mind, creation happened in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. But God didn't stop creating then. He continues to create every day in your life and in mine. Every time I do a wedding, God is creating a new family. Every time, every time conception occurs, God is creating. Every time you follow obediently a call of, on your life that God has put there, He is creating something new in your life and in the lives of people around you. For you created, verse 13, my inmost being. You knit me together. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, the psalmist acknowledges God's part in forming his being, who he is, 
every part of him. There used to be a sign at the old middle school. I don't, I'm sure they've taken it down by now, but it was there for a long time, and I was surprised it was there in Fort Laramie. It was on the locker room. It was the boys' locker room, which was on the left, I think. Or was that the girls' locker room? Anyway, it doesn't matter. There was a sign there that said, God doesn't make junk. Great reminder. What a great reminder. Put that up in a school today and see how long it'll stay there. Unfortunate, isn't it? Because we can lose sight of that. We need to remember that. God does not make junk. And each one of us here this morning can make that same declaration. I don't care how many mistakes you've made in your life, how messy the pages look. God's still at work. He's still at work. Which tells me that God didn't stop creating after day six. He continues to this day at working and creating all around us. Look at verses 17 and 18. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Just as he has the power to create, he has the power to watch over and protect his creation. He is watching out for us. Do you ever wonder if a thought ever occurs to God? <laughs> I know it's almost too deep to think about it. You know, 9.50 on a Sunday morning. I, does a thought ever occur to God? No, I don't think so. I think he just thinks all things at all times. Yeah, let that soak in for a little bit. I mean, he is that big. Amen, Garrett. He is huge. Many years ago, a pastor was walking in Newport Beach. I've told this story many times, I think, but I just love it. A, a beach in Southern California with two friends. He, re, he, he, re, he recounts the experience like this. Two of us were on staff together at a church, and one was an elder at the same church. We walked past a bar where a fight had been going on inside. The fight had spilled out into the street, just like in an old western. Several guys were beating up another guy, and he was bleeding from the forehead. We knew we had to do something, so we went over to break up the fight. I don't think we were very intimidating. He said all we did was walk over there and say, Hey, you guys cut that out. It didn't do much good. Then all of a sudden, they looked at us with fear in their eyes. The guys who had been beating up on the guy stopped and started to slink away. I didn't know why until we turned and looked behind us. Out of the bar had come the biggest man I have ever seen in my life. He was something like six feet, seven inches, maybe 300 pounds, maybe 2% body fat. He was just huge. In fact, we called him Bubba. Not to his face, of course, but afterwards when we were talking about this situation. Bubba didn't say a word. He just walked out and flexed. Just like I did. Did you see it? I flexed. <laughs> All of a sudden, he says, my attitude was transformed and I said to those guys as they were slinking away, you better not let us catch you coming around here again. I was a different person because I had a great big bubba. I was ready to confront with resolve and firmness. I was released from anxiety and fear. I was filled with boldness and confidence. I was ready to help somebody that needed helping. 
I was ready to serve where serve was required. Why? Because I had a great big Bubba. I was convinced that I was not alone and that I was safe. Again and again and again, the writers of Scripture pose this question for us. How big is your God? How big is He? And again and again, we are reminded that one who is greater than Bubba has come. And you don't have to wonder whether or not He'll show up because He's always there. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to live our life in hiding. We have a great big God. And He will be ever-present and all-knowing with you in the year 2016. We can put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Messiah. This coming year, 2016, we can declare that our God is all-seeing, all-present, all-creating. I hope I hope that after today you take your notes home and you think about those things. I mean, don't just walk out of here and go, wow, that was like Adam said. That was a great sermon. That was really cool. Yeah, God is big. And then tomorrow you go to work and the blood drains out of your face and you realize that it's going to be hard and you get fearful and you get anxious. No, no. Declare in that moment these things that we're looking at here today. All seeing, all present, all creating. And finally, we can declare that God is all holy. All holy. He's not a random, mean, rule it over us God like in the iPhone application. He's righteous, perfect, A OK, beyond compare, blameless, crowning, excellent, experienced, expert, faultless, finished, foolproof, immaculate. Matchless, out of this world while still in the world. Isn't that cool? Pure, splendid, spotless, sublime, superb, supreme, unblemished, unequaled, impossible to adequately describe. You could find synonyms to all of those words and just continue to write and write and write. That's God. Now, in the last six verses of our passage this morning, the writer seems to kind of go off on people, doesn't he? I mean, look at 19 through 22. If only you would... Where does this come from? If only you would slay the wicked, O God. Away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. We can probably think of dozens of people in our life that fit this description. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. He is not happy with people that don't like or intentionally seek to be evil toward God. But here's the beauty of these four verses right here. David David knows that he's susceptible to failure too. Right? <laughs> when was Psalm 139 written? Later in his life. You talk about somebody who has pages with scribbles all over it. David. Have you ever committed adultery? Maybe. David did. Have you ever questioned God? 
David did. Have you ever killed someone? David did. David did. And what did God say about him? He's the apple of my eye. That's intimate relationship. He's he's a man after my own heart. What? Wait a minute. Well, we know not all the time, obviously. But like you and me, David was in process. He was on a journey. But in that journey, he makes these declarations. And we must make them as well as we enter 2016. God is all holy. So in honesty, David asks God to search his heart. Verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. In the way everlasting. Truly, truly, God, seek my heart. Maybe some of us, just we just need to get honest with God. Maybe you think you've been pulling the wool over his eyes and you've been hiding things, but what we see here today ain't no way. It's impossible. It's impossible. So let's follow the lead of the psalmist and, and let's do this ourselves. Let's humble ourselves before him and say, Lord, look, as I entered the year 2016, you know, honestly, God, last year was tough. There were things that have been etched into my mind that I can't get out of it. Maybe there's times when you wake up and you're in a cold sweat and you've just had a nightmare and it felt so real because maybe you experienced that already. Let's declare these things about our God. Let's humble ourselves before Him and let's ask Him to root out these offensive ways that are in us. And let's trust Him to lead us in the way everlasting. We were in Albin for Sunday, for on, on Friday for, for Christmas Day. And honestly, shamefully, I, I haven't been to my dad's for Christmas Day for at least five years, if not more. But we were all there. All, all of, and, and honestly, it, it's kind of, we counted up, my wife did, if, if we were all there, dad and his offspring and their offspring, there'd be 60 people in dad's house. Yeah, six zero. But it was just the, the, the siblings, the my siblings and their spouses, and and seven kids, two which were married but no children, and the rest all single. This was very peaceful, quiet. Nobody under the age of seventeen, unlike many of our family gatherings. But you know, I often wonder how much longer we're going to have Dad, because I don't know. We don't know the answer to that question. But, but I was taken back to a Saturday afternoon sometime in the winter of 1986 when my mom was at the very tail end of a 
a fight she lost to breast cancer. And I remember her sitting in the chair. And my brother Dennis was sitting next to her and... Dennis reads Psalm 23. In fact, he says, Mom, I'm going to read Psalm 23 and I'm going to read it slowly. As I read it, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to to tell me what you see. Tell me what you see. So, you know, as he begins reading um, verse by verse, Mom begins to describe in detail what she was seeing. She described the calm waters. She described the green pastures, what it was like to walk in them barefooted and how peaceful that was. Honestly, it's kind of amazing that I can even remember that. I have a terrible memory. Moments after Dennis finished reading the psalm, they began to talk about the days following Mom's death with her. Right? Because we know it's just going to be a matter of days. And, uh, you know, at the end of this fight, we weren't asking the question, why? We were asking the question, what next? What now? Because... I don't know that we ever know the why. You know, why did God allow this? He could have stopped it. He didn't create cancer. Sin did that. But God could have healed her, yet he chose not to. We prayed for healing. I'm okay with that. I don't like it. It's not fun. But God knows what he's doing. The, the question then becomes, what next? What now? And we knew that one of the next things would be some kind of service. Mom didn't want a funeral. She wanted a celebration. So we did the graveside first at her request. And people shared about what mom had meant to them. And it was kind of cool to hear, you know, as a teenage, older teenage, not quite as selfish as I had been in earlier years, but um, about how this mom who I thought was kind of silly sometimes and embarrassed me sometimes, what people thought of her and how she had impacted their life. And, and we celebrated her. I mean, we, I know she wasn't perfect. She got mad at me sometimes. For good reason, of course. And then, and then she wanted us to go back to the church, and, and there was to be lots of great music. Us kids sang a song, however, we didn't sing it that way that day because we knew we couldn't. So we came in a couple of days before and we pre-recorded a song. That was pretty fun, really, together as brothers and sisters. And she wanted the service. She, she said, I want you guys to bring in the biggest speakers you can find. And, and as you're dismissing everybody, I want you to play the Hallelujah Chorus. How cool is that? <laughs> There was lots of singing. Um, God's word was declared. There was a declaration of his goodness, of his faithfulness. But again, 
Let's not ask the question why. Why these things in 2015, God? Let's close the book on that. And let's look to 2016. And let's ask the question, what now? What next, God? What do you have for me now? What do you believe about God? Do you trust the character of God enough to believe he's in control and whatever he allows in your life will ultimately he can work out for good? Can I can you trust knowing him knowing that he will be good enough to make whatever it costs you to know him worth it? A lot of people say, "Oh, I could never do that." I could never do that. I could never go through that. I could never give my life to to Christ. You know what King David and I say to that? You couldn't. You couldn't. But if God allows this in your life, He will also give it to you. He will also give you the grace that you need to respond to whatever that is faithfully. You know, in the the year 2015, I've experienced some of the worst things that can happen to a person. And I didn't find the case to be in those moments that I was strong and I can handle this. No, 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 no. But what I did do was remember that God is there with me, that He is holy, and that He knows exactly what's going on. I trusted Him in those situations. And I find God's promise to be true, that His grace is sufficient for me. Now when I read my grace is sufficient in 2 Corinthians 12.9 I believe it's not only because Jesus said it in the Bible I believe that it's true and I've experienced it in my own life and maybe that's something that you can look forward to in 2016. That this will be the year where you are able to say you know what? Yeah, well I wouldn't wish this on anyone else but in the midst of this I declare that God is all-knowing, that He is all-present, that He is all-creative and all-holy, and He loves me very, very much. I'm going to pray. Brittany's going to close our service with this song, and the ushers are going to come forward and take our, our morning offering. And I pray that as you leave here today, that that you can just take a deep breath and go, you know what? My God is big. My God is big. And we, with Him, behind me, with me, in my life, whatever it is, maybe something drug over from 2015 into 2016, whatever that is, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. God knows. Lord Jesus, thank you so many different things you can teach us in this and I trust and I know that you have highlighted something for each one of us here this morning this week as we enter the year 2016 may we declare may this be 
our declaration. That you are great. That you know us intimately. That we're in process. That you can take all these squiggly lines that come to mind and you can make them into a beautiful picture. May we trust you with that. Pray that you would multiply our offering this morning to continue to meet the needs of, of what we do, of our mission. God, may our faith and our lives spill over into those around us and may they too see how good you are, how faithful, how personal, how great. In Jesus' name, amen.